And I'm the one who, you eat fish sticks because I have skinny jeans on. I guess there's a plan for all of us. I had to die twice just to figure that out. Like the book says, he works his works in mysterious ways. Some people like it, some people don't. Welcome to the Sunday Movie Marathon. I'm Max. I'm Chris. I'm Darcy. Yep, that's, yeah, and I've got a chocolate orange in my mouth. I'm so confused, but just, just um, <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Those mix of flavours must have been... Yep. Yeah, I said something we're recording, <laughs> expecting Max would like wait till he's finished his chocolate orange before starting the episode. But you told me that we were recording. Yeah, but it doesn't really matter when you start. It matters to me. It doesn't run out of space. That was like the worst thing I could possibly <laughs> done as well. Like chocolate orange like washed sherbet. down with some monster. Ugh. <laughs> like, Vile. Kill yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like the worst combination of taste I've ever had in my life was um. Years ago, I think I was like 13, 14, my mate got a can of like the green, like the normal monster and poured it into a packet of magic stars and like shook it up, left it in there and started eating them. And that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly how you'd expect it to taste. Oh, yeah. oh man. That's how we're doing. <laughs> that's, that's, that's almost the same sort of energy though, isn't it? Like This is how the week's been, yeah. We mm. missed a week because um, scheduling conflicts and just... Um, we didn't really want to do it. Especially me. Yeah. Especially Darcy. Yeah. And th- that's that. Um, anything to report, guys? Well, at least like, we, we did, did a, like a bonus yeah. episode, which is, it's not been released yet as we're speaking, but it will be. So we're coming from the future now. How, how does it feel? Feels all right. What, being yeah. from the future? Yeah. It's pretty interesting. You, you ever th- feel like, if things like drastically change, you're like, oh shit. <laughs> I could have talked about that actually. Within like the, because we record them like on Mondays usually, sometimes. Like it's like the beginning of the week and we've got to like wait a week. What if something insane happens? How are we going to get yeah, it like out we there? go to war? Like it seems like we might do. Oh my God. So. Do you know what's so yeah. weird that you mentioned that? Because I literally read that the Ukraine might invade in the next two days. But what's good about this podcast is that it's about movies and you'll never hear us talk about, you know, <laughs> political uh, wars and stuff that's going on with the country, unless it's relevant. No, but if in the event, what happens to the podcast? Because we won't be able to do it, will we? Because we'll be dead, maybe. I'm not going to fucking die. I just love, like, the, the idea of, like, someone going, it's just not going to happen. It's like, oh yeah, it's time to sit down and listen to the new episode of the Sunday Movie Marathon. (laughs) (laughs) Like, talk about some movies. (laughs) Take my mind off of of all the horrible things that are happening. We're just going straight in there with Russia and the Ukraine. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the last you'll hear of it. It's just funny that you brought it up because I was literally reading about it today. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know anything was happening. (laughs) You guys watched a movie. We did. We did. We saw Jackass Forever, the new new Jackass movie. Literally a week ago today. That we did. It's been a long time coming. This is probably my most anticipated movie of the year because I'm a huge, huge fan of the series. It was like a huge part of my like early teenage years. I was just absolutely obsessed with the entire franchise. I owned the box of the TV show and the films and used to listen to all the, um, I think it was Bam Margera had his own radio show that I used to listen to all the time. I was just obsessed with it. So I was super excited to 
watch the new movie and see if it holds up to the originals. And I think it does. Oh, what do you think? Well, I don't really have any like emotional ties to it because I've never really like watched it or been all that kind of into it or the people in it, you know, that kind of thing. I've just sort of like been an outsider to it. Uh, me and my friends watched the, which I found out was the second one <laughs> because we, we uh, rewatched it before we went and saw it. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I've seen this one before. But um, I think it, it, I like I like the films because they're like a like a good distraction. Like I've been having like one of those like really bad like mental health kind of weeks, and I'm like, oh man, I just need something to switch off to and just watch and just have a laugh at. Yeah, and they're this film like, definitely provided. They're pure escapism, I think, because there's no story to them. <laughs> they're literally just a collection of sketches, pretty much. And it's just literally people hurting themselves, doing a bunch of gross out stuff. And they're all just having a great time. Yeah. Which you just uh, appreciate. It's like a mixture, I feel like, of like skateboarding stuff and like classic, like slapstick sort of comedy. Like, it's very clearly a lot of it's indebted to like Buster Keating and Charlie Chaplin and stuff. Um, they're literally just beating the shit out of I each think other. As the franchise has gone along, it's gotten definitely a lot more mature and a lot more inspired by that kind of thing. And I think that's where I find more enjoyment out of it. And I feel like this film especially has a lot of really great, just really great comedic moments that are like clearly planned out and like created by people who just have a great sense of humor. My mm. biggest enjoyment was Johnny Knoxville with silver hair. He's a beautiful, beautiful old man. They're getting on a bit now, eh? They yeah. are. But think they're going to be able to keep it up? No, they no, said this is their this last, the last one, I think. One. They, um... You can tell, like, throughout, um, like, not in the beginning of the film, but, like, the longer the film goes on for, you can really tell that they are struggling to do some of the stuff that they're doing, which is fine. They're... They've done it a while. Yeah, and they, they probably fucked themselves they all up quite said a bit. That, um, making this was the hardest because of the amount of injuries. Because although what they're doing in this isn't more extreme than anything they've done before, their their bodies are obviously a lot weaker. Like yeah, they're it's older easier and they've for them to get it. knocked out, bones break easier, and a lot of the film is literally just them like hurting themselves really badly. Yeah, like there's um there's a section where um Johnny Knoxville literally got what do you have, like a broken leg or a broken wrist or something and a rib? He literally fucked himself up. Yeah, there's a bit halfway through the film, which sadly the only bit Bam Bam Margera's in because he got fired from the film, where they all um they have like huge like band equipment, they jump on a treadmill. Um, <laughs> and they really and they fuck yeah, themselves up. They all like slam into this like industrial like door <laughs> it's fucking awful um there's a really horrible bit in the film where um danger aaron as he's called basically just it's a montage of basically him getting hit in the balls and like it's in the most like gruesome ways like they get like a a heavyweight boxer is like has hit the hardest punch in the world recorded <laughs> to punch him there's like a really hard hockey player and someone jumps on him with a pogo stick a which is the it, hardest yeah. bit and it ruptures his testicle yeah he he got done quite dirty in this film like he i think he got a, apart from you know john Knoxville getting whacked with like the bull horns again um i think he got the worst of it to be honest like literally the stuff that he had to do was just absolutely just it was fucking horrible 
Yeah. I was just cringing the whole time. And the thing is, I don't even have like man. I don't even know why I'm saying this, but like you know, I don't have man parts. So like, I, even I was feeling like the cringe, like especially with um, was it Steve and the bees? Fucking hell! Like I could feel it for everyone. Like everyone was like proper cringing in there. Like all these like teenage boys are like, oh god, that's horrible. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> bloody horrible. It's like um, this is a good example of like the recall thing that they bring up in the new Scream movie because it is like it. It's like a nostalgia thing where they've got all these guys who used to be in this franchise back, and there's also a bunch of new people as well. And when I found out there was going to be like a whole. Like group of new people, I was like, "Oh god, it's not not going to be as good. We're barely going to get the old guys." But I think there was a good mix. I think the new mm. guys, although I don't like them as much as the older guys, I do think they work really well in the film, and they're all really funny as well. I only remember two of them, and one of them, what's his name? Is it Zach? Yeah, Zach Holmes. Yeah, he's cool. Um, he was the only one that I actually cared about because. He was just the most interesting. I feel like he was the only one who was like willing to do anything either. Like I felt like everyone else was kind of just there, or they were only in it for like a minute at a time. There was a guy called Poopies. Oh yeah, Poopies. Don't Classic. really remember what he did. Just no. This is what Poopies. I mean. Like Zach was like the only memorable one there. But I mean that does that's not really their fault though, because obviously you know you got your editors that like cut down the footage and stuff. So they might have been in it more, but they didn't make the final cut, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, in terms of what you could do with a Jackass movie, this definitely has some of the most out there set pieces, I think. You can tell a lot of time and money has been put into making this and it does work really well. It's a lot of fun. There was never a point where I was bored in the movie. Um, oh no, my lungs were hurting. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I think when you, I was having a really, really bad day the day before and I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I even want to go. And then I was just like, I'm just here just to cheer myself up. And I know uh, we, we went with Kai, and Kai was fucking miserable as well, weren't he? So he was like, like, we all just left, like, just smiling and, like, laughing. And I was just like, oh, that's what I wanted. <laughs> yeah, there's also a lot of good um, guest appearances in the film as well. Um, Machine Gun Kelly's in it in one scene. Oh, nice. Massive. He gets hit by a gigantic hand, which is really funny. Possibly my favourite um, part because I hate the guy. Tired of creators in it in a really funny scene where he gets electrocuted. Um, and Eric Andre is in it a lot, which I really appreciate because I'm a huge fan of him and I think he is really funny in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just overall, I had a really great time. I really loved the movie. I was kind of glad that they toned down the gross out quite a lot. Like a lot of the previous movies, like so much of it's dedicated to the characters throwing up whereas in this you literally yeah. have just like the ending sequence and that's about it oh yeah I'll cut you off from Jackass I think I'm not gonna lie that that yeah. ending sequence though is actually one of the most vile things I've ever seen yeah. I don't know there, there's definitely grosser bits in the franchise there's a lot less poo in this as well which is also good <laughs> there's more <laughs> nice, cum in yeah. it though <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> there's plenty of penises good there was a lot good. of willy oh i know you're not gonna rate it darcy nah, i just no, i just right. i don't really rate them because it's it's not the f- i can't explain it i just don't think their films to be rated you know i just yeah. had a good time films it was to be berated whereas, be rated. <laughs> whereas i'd give it an eight out of ten it's probably my second favorite after jackass number two 
which I think is everyone's favorite, probably. Yeah. To be fair, it is actually probably the best one. I haven't seen mm. the first one, but I it's could already the worst assume. One, but still funny. Cool. Nice. Jackass Forever, more like Jackass. Never. That was the last one, actually. That's what they should have called it. Yeah. Actually, we're done now. <laughs> it's over. Jackass for one more movie. The um, working title was We're Not Done Yet because of Ryan Dunn, who died. Oh. Oh. It's like a really sweet um, sequence right at the end of the movie. Oh, yeah, but they like, do right like a the montage to him. They have a montage of him and say Ryan Dunn forever, which is really nice. Yeah, that's sweet. That's nice. <clears throat> that's that then we watched some 2000s era movies we did oh boy 2000s man that takes me back how do we feel about the 2000s kind of oh, I was a child I don't really remember yeah I would love Just to go back up, still still learning how not to wet the bed yeah there were good times times even 2009 look man even in 2009 <laughs> look man I don't want to go into it alright <laughs> So we've some movies. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, we did. We got uh, um. Yeah, I feel like we couldn't what? have picked further apart movies. Like every single one of these films are completely selection. different. Yeah, but that sometimes that's the beauty of films from the two thousands, or just us picking era, films. It? Yeah. yeah, it was quite an, a more innocent time. I feel <laughs> it was a great decade for movies. I think. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. It's got shitter as it's gone along. Yeah. I mean, there are some golden years, I guess, but not golden decades. Yeah. Nowadays, you get like the blockbuster movies that are just trying to be like either like straight dramas or like even the ones that are trying to be like fun and goofy. It's like it's still trying to be like those Marvel movies are like they could be like really comic booky and like out there, but like they're just like. It's also the real world. <laughs> we don't get like you couldn't make like a Sam Raimi Spider Man nowadays. I wish I wish people would though. I no. do, but I understand why. I think a lot of people might not appreciate that now. Just want I that. would, but I know a lot of people wouldn't. We don't get a Dark Man anymore. Oh, we don't get that, Miss Dark Man. Now we get the Morbius and the um. What's the other why one? Else is popular. I don't know. Is I guess Morbius that's it. popular? Morbius is going to be. Brilliant. I don't think it's going to be popular though. I don't know. No, yeah, no. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if I agree. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Like, look at. Well, I guess we'll find um, out. I suppose. What What was nominated for the Oscars, and that's what we need to be watching. Right. And uh, looking I, out for. I can't imagine Morbius ever get. I mean, King uh, Richard. <laughs> yeah, we'll just keep making King Richards, and we'll, we'll be, be all right. Yeah, we'll be sweet. So we got Broken Flowers. We got American Psycho. We got Mary and Max. Chris recommended the first one, so take it away. Yeah, so I picked Broken Flowers from 2005, directed by Jim Jarmusch. It stars Bill Murray, who plays a character called Don Johnson, who um, is kind of like a... He's meant to be a ladies' man who has recently been dumped and receives an anonymous letter from an old lover filming him that he has a son um, who might be searching for him. Um... His neighbour, who's like a freelance sleuth sort of guy, is really excited by this and kind of creates this mystery road trip for Don where he goes on this cross-country search to try and 
solved this mystery on who this woman who claims to have had his child actually is. So what do we all think of it? I think we all had very different opinions. Yeah? You think? I, I think me made... and Darcy kind of aligned pretty well. Yeah. Um... I think you're the odd one out, Chris. Yeah. I think you might Just be. Just like Dead Man all over again. Yeah, which we reviewed on the podcast, and there was another Jim John Moosh movie, which <laughs> I hated. I was uh, Connor, and I was the only one who like really loved. I'm that. starting yeah, to think that Max is not his biggest fan. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe this. Is, yeah, maybe his style is not for me. Um, nothing happened in this movie. I, I'm just gonna say nothing fucking happened in this yeah, movie. I, I was annoyed the entire time. I was like, I want some forward momentum. I also want a reason that he's doing all this. If if um, okay, here's my like main problem with it mm-hmm. is that if this happened to me. First of all, I wouldn't. But if it happened to me, <laughs> and I got a letter from one of my exes telling me that they had had my child 20 years ago, and I didn't know who that child was. I didn't know who the ex was because they haven't signed it with like a name or anything. I would just be like, all right. And then I'd go about my day, and then nothing would have happened. I wouldn't go across country to fucking. Each one of my exes' house, and this guy had a lot of fucking exes. I tell you why he was quite the ladies' man. But like, it's just, it's just like, why did you? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Because it could quite easily be a prank. It could just not have happened. Well, this is such flimsy evidence. And then his mate is like, he's taking all the time off in the world just to be like, yeah, I'm an investigator now, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my investigation. And here are all the houses that you need to hit. Which is hilarious because the go man, on, man, go and do your thing. I'm like, this guy has like t- two jobs. Yeah, and like, like five, five kids. kids. <laughs> what? How that does he have the time weird. to do this? <laughs> I don't know. I, and why does Bill Murray want to do this? Yeah, I don't. I don't understand the like the need for him to do either because he spent like quite a lot of the film convincing himself not to do it, and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, I guess I've got nothing better to do. I just I'm gonna go no, and find. I think the character's quite conflicted. I think part of him does just want to live this life he's been living, where he is a ladies' man. He is just not really tied down to one particular person's moving around a lot, and I think part of him kind of. The idea that he probably has a son, I think that might appeal to him because it's, you know, an actual connection to someone that I don't think he's actually really had before because of his lifestyle. So I think there's kind of a conflict in there where he's not really sure what he wants and like the idea that he might have a son is quite intriguing to him in a way. I find it very hard to believe that he is a ladies man. Like he seems like such a loser to me. Well, you know. I mean, I know this was 20 years ago that we're talking, but I don't yeah. know. I was just like, okay, fair enough. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I kind of agree with Max, so I feel like I was waiting for, for like something to not even like happen, but like I was waiting for like, you know, like him to be found or like, you know, like there's some sort of conflict because he's found him and he's like, why weren't you there for me? That kind of thing. But like nothing. Didn't even get that. Like I didn't get any satisfaction from nothing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I also, I mean, I don't want to rail on the movie too hard. I didn't hate it or anything. I do think that's exactly what it was going for in the end. Yeah, I do think it's like this story about like coming to terms with the life you've led and kind of making peace with demons you've been haunted by, or like and something like he doesn't really get any answers at the end. Maybe that was the whole point because sometimes you just can't know things, and that's just. 
how life goes. But still mm. sat there at the end, I'm like, okay. I guess that, that was that. And that was like, I think that was also a problem I had with Dead Man as well. Or whatever that movie oh, was what, called. Oh, did that just end suddenly as well? It was, it was more like well, Jim Jarmusch likes to tell stories in this way, and I don't think it, it's the kind of uh, way that I appreciate uh, in my own movie-watching experience, you know? Or I kind yeah. of want stuff to happen, and if it doesn't, I feel kind of ripped off. Or like, if, if there's something more to get from the movie, I'm not really getting it, I don't think. Yeah, no, I I get that. I think a lot of his films are quite ambiguous in a way. They don't really... They're definitely about something, but it's not... It's not like a normal structure where it has like a beginning, middle and end sort of thing. It's kind of just a journey that the characters are made to go on. Um, I think with this, the whole film kind of is a mystery where he doesn't really... He puts like all these like cryptic clues and stuff throughout, like especially in like some of the characters' dialogue throughout, because the film's kind of like a collection of vignettes where um, Don's going to see all these women and like trying to work out whether they're the person who wrote to him. And there's like a lot of clues in a lot of their dialogue and stuff that kind of intentionally leaves you as the like audience member to kind of try and work out who the mother actually is um, but I feel like if you aren't connecting with that at all you don't really care about the mystery then you're not going to get anything out of the film and when it gets to the end of it where it does leave things very ambiguous and doesn't reveal anything it's going to piss you off yeah because I just thought the entire time that it was fake and it was kind of a prank no it was like in the back of my mind like, and just I mean, it's been a prank that's that's the thing. Yeah, that, I guess who, that's. Who's to say this is real? No, that's true because if you think about yeah, how ambiguous it is, it could it could have been like who is to say apart from like, Jim? Yeah, and, and it kind <laughs> of annoyed me that like he went to these houses and he just kind of stayed there for a while. And I, I guess that was no kind of like... the point of the movie, but like uh, it was kind of like like a purgatory allegory or something and it was like you you're going through these different stages and trying to figure out parts of yourself so i i do yeah. kind of like that about the movie but at the same time it was like <laughs> do you uh, see i don't even know if this is like a criticism but i was like yeah well, why didn't you just straight up ask them he never asks he never asks hey did you send me this letter and they never i i felt i felt like it was none of them i felt like none that's of them that's what had I, the, I felt like it was none of them also because it was like wouldn't you just say oh you got my letter did you None of them say that. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. You, you you would have thought that they would have struck up the conversation of like, oh, I know what you're doing here, rather than, hey, what are you doing here? It's like, well, if you wrote it, you would know mm. why he was there. I don't know. I just... I mean... Yeah, I do agree whatever. that the fact he didn't ask any of them is a little bit flimsy. Like, mm. I understand the reason he doesn't ask is to... He just of, wants to suss out what's leave going these on, doesn't he? Answers unanswered for the audience to piece them together, but I do think they could have maybe done a bit more to hide but, that mystery. Yeah, the only <laughs> problem is there was nothing to piece together because it was none of them. Like, what am I supposed to? Am I supposed to just go, okay, it was none of them? Great, I just watched the man do this or for an hour and a half. Like, I don't yeah. know. It's trying to go for something that's a bit more elevated, and I think probably it was going for a bit more of the metaphorical, but. Because it didn't really present itself t 
tonally as something that was slightly heightened. I don't know. It was just like, yeah, it's a guy who lives on his own in an yeah. American suburb and everybody leaves their doors open because that's what they do and everybody... Everyone, everyone trusts each dropped. other, apparently. Yeah, yeah. They all <laughs> trust each other for some reason. It's like, okay. I didn't get the feeling that it was like heightened in that way. I don't know. So I didn't really get that as a takeaway. Yeah, I think... Jim Jarmusch, for me, I think his films are very, very metaphorical, but they're not, they're presented in much more of a simplistic way, and that's mm-hmm. something I really like about him, but I can understand if you wouldn't. Yeah. It's like the same problem I have with, like, Nicholas Rogue, where it's like, I agree, he's a really great yeah. filmmaker, but I just don't like his style. Yeah, I think they're very similar mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, because I like a lot of his films that I know you don't. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to give, like... Something like Don't Look Now, Another Chance, because I really didn't like that movie. But like, I feel like it was going for something. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't really, really get that movie yeah. at all. But. There are parts that I like about the movie. I, like, I don't know. I like that they played a lot of Ethiopian jazz. Yeah, that was actually really <laughs> nice. cool. His, his yeah, way, Winston cool. makes him a... He's like, hey, you, you want some music? You want some... Uh, oh, yeah, I made you a mixtape. For your journey across the country. I'm he like, was actually that, my favourite part. <laughs> I really liked him. He was, he was, I don't know, he was a character that I was like, I could imagine hanging yeah. out with him. It could have been annoying hearing <laughs> yeah. the same Ethiopian jazz song all the time because it's not like, it's like the first track and they keep playing the first track yeah. over and over again. It never really annoyed me in, that, in a way that it might have if it was like a different type of song. I don't know. I think it was yeah, but trying, much, to, trying mm. to go for like that repetitive style to it. It was like, yeah, yeah, he's just doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, it does the exact opposite of what Beverly Hills Cop does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was awesome. That, that song was great. <laughs> the Axel F one. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. I the one one thing that kind of annoyed me a lot was that every so often we'll get like a montage where like he's on the plane and like he yeah. falls asleep, and there's like this really oh, it's ugly really green green filter put over like a montage of clips from the film that we've already seen. I was like, what is this doing? Is he dreaming about this? This is yeah. what I think is happening. Yeah, I assume it's, But it also serves to remind us what's happened in the movie beforehand. And I'm like, I've been paying attention. I know what happened. Yeah, it seems like it's the point of it's almost like he's dreaming, like trying to piece together the pieces of what's happened so far. But I don't think it's executed well at all. It just Those looks are like ugly. my least favourite bits in the film. It is so yeah. hideous. Why green? I know you want to make it look dreamy, but why not make it like hazy or even like yellowy? Like, why green? <laughs> there are a couple other things I really didn't like about the film. And um, I think they're both things that Jim Jarmusch does quite a lot in his films that I don't really like, where he like, will compare like a character or um, something to like a famous character in literature or something and he would like hammer that home yeah. like there's a constant comparison of Don to Don Juan <laughs> especially in early in the film which is really really unnecessary and like super unsubtle and there's also that scene where he's like being seduced by like the girl like the daughter of one of his exes and she's called Lolita and I thought that was also mm-hmm. like super super unsubtle and it seems like they're trying to make a joke out of that but it's not funny it's just no it just yeah. it's kind of cringy I felt like that was more unnecessary than the whole Don Juan thing yeah I agree because she it just didn't need to be there like no. I understand that there's like this ongoing joke that he has to 
he has this lifestyle and this name of this guy. But what what's at what point did she prove to like I don't know, get yeah. naked and was just like that oh my god. The shit out of me. Yeah, that actually pissed Why? me off. Why? I don't so get much. it. It's like yeah, here's a here's a teenage girl who's how he she just lets him into her house and without knowing him at all. She's just like and and then she walks in and she's naked and her name is Lolita and no it's one like, would do all right, it. shut the fuck up literally man. Shut no the fuck one up, no one yeah. would do this out of all the vignettes so in the film that was my least favorite by far yeah. but I really didn't enjoy that bit like when he left he should have just kept going not just <laughs> just there was also like a part of the character that I didn't like as well where it was like if you if you just walked into some house the, you don't really know this woman anymore who's you used to date and then like. Or for all we know, he like had sex with her one time. I don't know. And then like you go into this house and her daughter strips and you're just like, all right, that's that's that. And then he doesn't leave. I would fucking leave. Yeah, I just... Well, he does <laughs> go to leave and then he bumps into her. Yeah, I think he should have just kept going though. Yeah, he should have just kept no, Especially on. because he asked her if, if she had a brother and she was like, no. And that, that would have been my indication to get the fuck up and go, yeah. basically. Mm. I'd have been like, oh, okay, I guess it's not mm. her. That's my time, then. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you could have cut your time in half by just uh, straight up outright asking that yeah. you could leave. <laughs> There's a lot of um, pink used in the film, like the colour pink. I like that. Um, it's kind of like you, I felt like it was almost used to tie the mystery together. Like there's the pink letter, there's pink typewriter. Um, at the end, there's like a kid who they quite heavily hint at possibly being his son who has a pink ribbon on his bag. And it kind of, for me, it felt like almost a way to keep viewers like engaged in the narrative. It's like a bright color. It's very striking. It's like one of the brightest colors on screen. So it's like every time you see it is very noticeable and like the way it like will constantly return. It kind of seems almost like they're trying to remind you or like trying to say pay attention to this because this is important and also i was like looking up what that pink color connoted because i was like interested to see if i could find out a reason why and i found out like things like saying it connotes like love and romance which i thought could be kind of interesting yeah. You're telling me you, you didn't know that about the colour pink already? Well, I wanted to see if there was anything else. Because like, <laughs> I feel like there's so many people who like say that different colours mean different things. They do, but I thought most people just kind of I like knew that you what colours like, meant. just not on the mic at all. I am. I'm mic. at the side. That's not how they work. <laughs> Oh, well, then they we suck. show you like a graph of like <laughs> Where to what speak. dynamic ranges you have on these microphones. <laughs> <laughs> then you'll know. I just need one that will go all the way around mm. so when I'm bored I can, fi- I can talk to it and I'm still at the side and it's fine. It's perfect. Yeah, we ain't got the money for that. <laughs> no, not yet. I didn't Come like on, that you let Julie Delpy get away. I was like, you fool. You who? absolute <laughs> fool. She was the woman who he was with at the beginning who left oh. him. Oh. Like, wow. You yeah, I like the fucked fa- it, mate. Yeah, you I absolutely like- fucked it. I love the fact that he just, he didn't even really like put up a fight either. Mm. He was just like, okay, if that's what you want. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. He's clearly miserable. I <laughs> yeah, guess. you don't give a shit, obviously. But I was still annoyed. I was like, it's Julie Delpy, man. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. Yeah, he, he's just like a, he's a very depressed character and that's quite obvious and I think Bill Murray plays him really well 
Yeah. Where it's just like there's but, not really any emotion or anything to him. To it's be very honest, blank. But I think he kind of captures that like depressed aura and emptiness really mm-hmm. well. I think he does that in most of the people yeah, that he I'm plays. To be honest, a little bit here because I really like Bill Murray as an actor. And I'm also going to like take a kind of a jab at someone else. But I do think Bill Murray plays like the exact same character in most movies or like he play. He has a certain way that he plays characters It's very sarcastic and very like dry humor. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe that's why he works so well with like director like Wes Anderson. He's like, that's very much his style. So like, I don't know if like, I do think he's a good actor. I don't, I, I don't know though, but it's like, this is nothing. I was very, very hyper aware when I was watching this movie. It was like, yeah, it's Bill Murray, and he's d- playing Bill Murray because that's how he plays characters, and that kind of took me out of the movie. Yeah, I, I, I kind of got that as well. I feel like he plays the same sort of just monotone, like yeah. person, which I is know, I, I said which is this cool. While whatever. We were watching the movie, and Chris is like, "You're fucking wrong." <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I that's like, kind of what he plays nowadays. I think it's just because when I think of Bill Murray, I think of him more in like like Ghostbusters and the same. that sort of thing where he is kind of, he does have like kind of a miserable aura, but he is making a lot of jokes and he does kind of have a lot of charm to him where I feel like in this, he doesn't really do that at all. He is very, very blank. Yeah. It's like, I guess if he was like the character from Moonrise Kingdom, and, mm-hmm. but like... It goes with the Didn't movie, I suppose. Didn't have any comedic writing at all. Yeah. I guess that's the type of character that yeah. he likes to play. I'm not going to like shit on him for that. You know, he's a very good actor. Yeah, uh, I think he is really good in this, though. Mm-hmm. Apparently he considered quitting acting after this because he didn't think he could do a better performance. God. Well, I think that's a lie. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he plays some iconic roles, you know. He was up there for a reason. Well, you got any more notes, Chris? You got anything else to say on this movie? Because I'm pretty much done. Um, I like Jessica Lange a lot in the movie. Yeah. Um, I think her um, bit's probably one of my favourite bits in the film. How she plays like a... She plays a character who's an animal communicator. <laughs> I love mm-hmm. that. I thought that was like really funny, and like she's talking about how she communicates with animals. I like how she talks to the cat. Yeah, she's just like gets. She's like sat there talking to him, and just gets up and opens the door, and a cat appears out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. That's how cats be. I saw yeah. a lot of. Um, I was reading articles today to see if people like. I just wanted to see what people kind of thought about the mystery, and like if anyone had any like animal analysis or any breakdowns or predictions on who they thought the mother was mm-hmm. and i think pretty much everyone i read said that they thought she was the mother or tilda swinton yeah a lot of a lot of people in this movie a lot of really great actors every time somebody shows, oh, oh look it's, it's julie delpy oh look it's jeffrey wright really like an underrated actor i think jeffrey wright I think he's yeah. fantastic. He was good in this movie. Yeah. His accent was a little bit questionable at points, mm-hmm. but I thought it was good. Found the character quite funny. Yeah. Then you obviously you got Tilda Swinton, Jessica Lange, Francis Conroy, really Chloe Savini, I think. Yeah. Really good actors. Doing a lot of good performances, honestly, because it is quite strange and mysterious, and a lot of, a lot of the, the the way they have to act is quite strange, I guess. 
Uh, I guess that's kind of how Jarmouche likes to uh, direct, you know. Yeah, his films are quite strange in a lot of ways. He always has like really great casts. Mm -hmm. I guess because he's like that kind of guy and his movies are quite strange. I think actors want to be part of that kind of thing. Um, yeah, we can go to ratings, I guess. I don't awesome. think I have anything else. Cool. Great wow. out of oh. yeah. pink typewriters. Cool. Okay. Yeah, they have that. Yeah. <laughs> that was a clue. It was like, look for a pink typewriter. It's like, just ask them, man. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed this movie. I do think it. it's not perfect. I think out of the four movies I've seen by Jim Jarmusch it's one of my least favourites but I still thought it was really really well made um, I think I could would I can definitely see myself enjoying it a lot more on repeated viewings um, I think I'd give it a low 8 high 7 out of 10 just threw that pink type right out the window yeah, you even I completely it. forgot what I picked until <laughs> you said it that sounds like me yeah I like it more than that other one with Johnny Depp um <laughs> But I don't know, I just didn't really connect to it. And I was like, okay, this is what it's going for. And at the end, you get no answers. And I'm like, that's exactly what he wants to happen. But I don't appreciate it. Because I wanted something to happen. But it's not that kind of movie. I'll give it uh, five pink typewriters out of ten. And I don't want to watch it again. <laughs> I feel like a lot of what Max is saying... Um, when it comes down to wanting things to happen and films and not happening, happens all the time to me. This is kind of no exception, to be honest, but I've been told he's got better films, so I don't know, maybe I'll watch them, but if I didn't like this one, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not too sure on my chances. You probably wouldn't. Oh, then there you go. Um, saying that, I didn't, act, oh, I didn't actually like hate it. Like, I'm not going to give it like a, like a four or anything, but, um, yeah, I just maybe I, need to, I don't know. Maybe I need to watch it again. I've forgotten like most of it anyway because we watched it like well over a yeah, week it was ago like now. Two yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, it was we quite forgot a to caveat that, yeah. but yeah, so, we did watch this a while ago. Um, six pink typewriters out of ten. Cool, nice. I picked a movie. It's um, is it's it was released at the turn of the millennium, two thousand. It's a kind of horror, thriller, comedy type movie. Uh, it's directed by Mary Harron. And it's called American Psycho. And in this, uh, Patrick Bateman, played by Christian Bale, is a wealthy banker. He works on Wall Street. And he hides his psychopathic tendencies from his, from his buddies and his mates. And uh, he kind of he goes further and further into these uh, de delusions or... Uh, psychopathic tendencies and just kills a bunch of fucking people um, and that's basically yeah that's basically what the movie is about I've got a lot of thoughts on the movie um, in terms of like interpretation but yeah what do we think about this <laughs> we've all seen it before yeah yeah yeah. I've seen it quite a few times mm -hmm. I, I think this is the second time I've seen it I just love how extra Christian Bale is in this film like just so unhinged <laughs> It's just, it I, might be his I, best I, performance for me. I, yeah, had a I honestly had a blast. Like, I, th I think the first time I watched it, I really liked it, but I liked it even more the second time. It was just so ridiculous. I just loved it. What was yeah. there not to love? Yeah, it's a really <laughs> great movie. It's one that 
I've seen like countless times. I always have such a blast watching it. Yeah. It's really funny as well. There's yeah. never like a scene where I didn't laugh, I don't think. Yeah, like, like even when it shouldn't have been funny, I found it really yeah. funny. And I mean, yeah, you read the book, didn't you, Chris? Or yeah. Was it like, apparently it's really I, detailed, apparently it isn't it? really air on the side of comedy, that book. <laughs> no, it does. It's like, yeah. I'd say apparently like 99% of the dialogue is directly pulled from the book. Okay. And the book is basically the exact same as the movie, but it's much heavier on the violence and graphic nature. Yeah, didn't you say it's really descriptive? Um, it's very, very descriptive and the gore, which obviously they had to tone down. Um, Patrick Bateman's also a lot more homophobic and racist and stuff in the book as well, which they obviously massively cut out. Um, <laughs> yeah, he can, he can like, be an awful psychopath, but he yeah. can't be can't be evil. Yeah, he can't be racist <laughs> or homophobic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, they it's basically the same sort of thing. It's like I don't think the movie even like necessarily is better or worse than the book. It's just a different yeah. it's like just telling it in a different medium and slightly different, but for the most part it's very similar. I would have loved to have like I don't know. I feel like I should read it because it just sounds so horrific. Like I love that kind of shit. I I want <laughs> I should read it. It's obviously taken a lot from um like Hitchcock with Psycho. I mean it's like literally in the name, but like you've also got like Norman Bates in that movie and, and it's Patrick Bateman in this movie. So I think there's obviously a lot of influence where, where that's concerned. Um and kind of showcasing uh, this character piece about this dude who's like on the edge and just completely insane. Mm. I think he's played like brilliantly there's never a moment where i see christian bale as the character i'm just like yeah this is just this guy you know he like puts on this there's like a mask and that's kind of what the the character himself is kind of all about as well where he's like i I feel like he doesn't really even consider himself human he's like so ultra rich and he can just do anything that he wants he doesn't really relate to people at all and it's all just kind of a facade so he can kind of work his way in and just get anything he wants from others. Yeah. I just, I just think he's ridiculous. I think part like some of my favorite parts are just where he's just like describing like he's doing all these horrific things, but he's talking about like musicians and like their discographies and stuff. Mm. And I'm like, what on earth is going on in this guy's head? Like, he's <laughs> so so weird. Yeah, I, I love I, it. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of this movie is about um, masculinity and power yeah. and. Um, I think before, um, when I watched it like a first time or even like a second time, and I think I only came to this conclusion like on this time around, it was like, I found it more to be an examination of like the rich not getting any consequences. Yeah. And I feel like th- this time I'm like, yeah, but the same could be said of, um, maybe it's not like so literal. Yeah, he's rich, but it's also, I think it's also about like men as a whole. And like, yeah, he's done all these terrible things and no one really cares or believes him by the end. Um, or at least that he believes he's done these terrible things. And I think this is an examination of like how privilege can affect someone, and especially like straight white men, who oftentimes don't really know how good they've got it within a system that is so weighted heavily within their favour. It's easy to kind of feel like, you know, you're on top of the world, and like you can get anything you want, 
when you're in a system that perpetuates that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, pretty much everyone in the film's white. I think mm-hmm. the only black person's a homeless person. So that kind of like no, that's, mm-hmm. that's true, goes actually. heavily into the, like, the rich white privilege. And all the thing. women are treated like absolute dog shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, and it's also, I think, all about like ultra violence in Hollywood and how we're kind of desensitized to it. Yeah. Um, oh, we definitely are. Yeah. Like, there's that great scene where he's like doing his morning like exercises and he's got Texas Chainsaw on in the yeah. background. He's doing crunches. Yeah. Fucking hell. And then also um, that ties into like where he's trying to kill the women, uh, where he, his, the, the prostitutes he invites to his place and gets his chainsaw out and like, kills them. And that was like, it was quite a funny scene, but it was also quite sad and upsetting to me because, you know, you got this woman who's like, she's almost made it out of the, the, uh, the apartment. She's like screaming and like, that was also kind of something that, tied into Texas Chainsaw Massacre where it's like there's just a lot of screaming and like loud noises in that movie um, and she's knocking on all these different doors yeah, and like, like why is no one, yeah what, what was that all about and then like she almost gets away and then the axe is dropped on her head and she dies and I think there's also just trying to tell you something about how you can't really it's like an inescapable system that we're in the patriarchy is like everywhere, you know, and you, you try to run from it, but you, you can't really escape it. It's quite upsetting to me, at least. That's why I kind of, I like that it, it goes so heavy on the comedy, because if it wasn't a comedy, I feel like it would just be upsetting. Yeah. And it's just, just like, a slog to I really wouldn't through. like it as much. And I feel the same way as like, if this was directed by a man, I don't know if I would like it as much. Even if it was like the same. But I don't think it would be the same if a man directed it. I don't know. I just think... It's, it's more like, oh, if a man directed it, you know, do you actually feel this way? Or like, how much are you kind of taking from the source material and how much of like, your own uh, thoughts and feelings about how you actually feel about the world are you putting into this? But where it is uh, Mary Harron directing this, I feel like the comedy is so like, ingrained within the movie. And um, as, as you say, it's in the book as well. So I feel like she's kind of spun it in such a way uh, where I, I don't feel like she's like awful for showing these things and I think it's important to show these things within movies and especially so early you know it's only 2000 and um, obviously nowadays we're having a lot of conversations uh, within our own society <clears throat> we were trying to get more representation within media and we're trying to push for um, you know equality and feminism um, I don't know if I would say this is like Oh, it's so ahead of its time, you know, this is genius work. Um, but I do think there's a lot to be said about that, and especially how we're uh, experiencing uh, movements now. Uh, I think this is quite emulative of that, and I don't think it's really, it's really aged very well. Yeah, I think there's a lot more, like, criticism in a lot of, like, big films nowadays, like, rich people and how they act, like... A lot of the film reminds me a little bit of um, The Wolf of Wall Street and how that kind mm-hmm. of portrays these rich people who kind of can get away with anything, can do anything, like have like the entire world like at their disposal, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I feel it. It kind is kind of sad actually because when you think about it, most of these kind of go on like deaf ears because it's not any different, really. Yeah. Even when he like kills that homeless guy. 
he's like trying to help him at first and then like he gets talking to him and like just a switch flips in his head and he's like I'm sorry I just don't have anything in common with you and then he kills him and he kills the dog it's like yeah if he, he just can't relate to anyone that was so unnecessary by the way killing that dog was just so unnecessary but he's above it all so like what of are the course, consequences yeah, like, of yeah, doing put, that there put, are no consequences put a gun to a so kitten no one gives a shit that Except that one hilarious. lady who <laughs> did give a hilarious. shit. <laughs> <laughs> the ATM is like, um, it says, feed me a cat. <laughs> feed me a stray cat. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Ew. laughs> That's so gross. They, um, they, I feel like he has a lot of superficial problems as well. Where, oh, 100%. Um, like, especially when... He's it, very, what? like, self-conscious. He's, he's very, very vain, isn't he? He's very vain and he's very easy to offend and very... Um, easy to tip over the edge. He's always like, he's got this inner monologue going. And I think one of the funniest scenes in this movie or in any movie really is the uh, business card scene where they're all showing each other their business cards. He and they look exactly a, the same. He is such a fragile <laughs> man. He's all like, Oh my God, oh, look at that. Look at the spacing. Yeah. Look at that font. Yeah. And do you know what? I'll look be honest. Fine print. Oh my God. It's impossible. And it's the, one of the fucking funniest parts is like when he says, um, Oh, let's see Paul Allen's card, and um, Paul Allen, played by Jared Leto, shows him his card. Is the exact exact fucking same card as him? His. It's just got. It's and just got. Like, it's, ah, got it's like embossed oh or something. Yeah. It even has a watermark. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah, it, and then there's the bit where um Lewis shows his, and he like instantly wants to kill him. Yeah. Do you know what the uh, the saddest part is though? If I'm totally honest, coming from like a design perspective, all of those business cards were dog shit. Yeah. All of them. All of them have a typo on them. Every single one of them where it <laughs> says mergers and acquisitions, they spell acquisitions without a C. <laughs> but like, it was just like all the spacing is wrong. There's like mm-hmm. no, the margins are off. Like, if I was that pretentious and I worked in Wall Street, that would not be my business card. What yeah. the fuck? He's all like, uh, look... Look at that embossing. Oh, look at the gold leaf. Oh. I think that's kind of just the point. It's just like <laughs> such a ridiculous thing to be like so superficial and so obsessed with. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was really funny though. Like it, it genuinely got a tickle out of me, but more mm-hmm. from a like design kid perspective because I was like, imagine being that uptight about something that looks so shit. <laughs> I like that part where Lewis shows him his business card and he goes fucking insane. Yeah, and he, he goes like, to tries the bathroom. To kill him in the bathroom. <laughs> Lewis just like kisses him and like tries to make out with him and like he just like flips out he's like oh he doesn't kill him in the end and I think like that was an instance of him kind of getting in touch with his humanity in a way where you know he's not as um he's not this castle that he's built himself as Mm. and maybe that was um trying to get at maybe sexual repression within himself and he's like oh fuck I can't kill this guy like, he, like, if he was, like, as homophobic and, like, I don't know, as deranged as he is in the book, maybe he's actually um, hiding a little something, mm. something, something, something. And there's also the part where he doesn't kill Jean and he lets yeah, her go. I was just yeah. thinking about I think, I think I might hurt you, so you've got to leave. I was like, wow. He doesn't show it often, but it's like, yeah, you could try to change yourself into this ultra being but you Mm. know you are human at the end of the day nobody's above being human as much as we might try yeah i think that's what just like makes patrick bateman i think one of the like most interesting characters ever written in Mm. any medium 
I think he's just like so deft and so well explored in both the film and the book. He's just so fascinating and just a really great character. And I think Christian Bale was definitely the like perfect pick for him. Yeah. He's just incredible in the movie. He really captures that like fragile, unhinged state of the character, but like blends the humor of him as well in really well. Yeah. There's obviously the scene where um, he kills Paul Allen. Um, <laughs> the axe. has been parodied to death, I think. Yeah, um, like. I, but it's I, a genuinely great scene. It's just so iconic, isn't it? It's just. I'll try getting a reservation at Dorsey and now, you fucking stupid bastard. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> and it's also. Yeah, Dorsey as um, this. Um, this restaurant that uh, I think it's like a symbol. It's like a uh, symbol of power. You know, you can get a reservation at Dorsey on short notice. Oh, like the the main guy, you can do anything. Yeah, but of course he can't. So he has to like drug the women he goes out with and take them to another restaurant. So they're a little bit like high, and then he's like, "Yeah, we were at Dorsey." <laughs> <laughs> That's like another great scene where yeah. he's like reading out exactly what she's gonna have. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, apparently Christian Bale like really fought hard to get this role because I think the director was very adamant on having him in it because it, he wasn't like a really big star at the time. But Lionsgate originally wanted to go for Leonardo DiCaprio, who um, asked for twenty-one million to be in it, which was half of the film's budget. <sighs> and then they were going to have Ewan McGregor, but Leonardo DiCaprio talked him out of it because he said about how passionate he was about being in the role. Oh my God. I'm sorry, but both of those picks would have been yeah. awful. He, Christian Bale took like a huge pay cut to be in the film. I think the overall budget and in the end was only like seven million. Yeah, wow. He just Good really wanted to be in that film. Yeah. And do you know what? Fair play to him because imagine the only having, person I can picture in this yeah, role. Yeah, like imagine know? having that under your belt as well. Like I played one of the most unhinged psychopaths in the world. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I actually think it's amazing. Yeah, apparently he also like he used to do that morning routine that you see in the film every day of shooting. <laughs> I he, love the morning routine. He didn't speak to anyone on set. So like <laughs> when he like finished shooting a scene, he'd just wander off. He'd like pretty much stayed in character the entire shoot. Apparently like at the rap party when he turned up and was speaking Welsh, everyone just assumed that he was like preparing for another role because <laughs> oh, no man. one knew yeah. he was no. actually Welsh. They all thought yeah. he was American. That That's is great. so yeah. funny. He's just yeah, he's a Welsh geezer. You ever heard him like talk just normally? I've never yeah. actually heard him speak. To be honest, different. Yeah, I think fucking he did that all. Like, he actually did all those exercises. I don't know about that. He said he did a, a thousand crunches. Who has the time? No, he definitely did do a thousand, but I assume he at least, yeah, he probably replicated the routine. Yeah. yeah, he the did routine. like the skincare routine. At least. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's got, he's got glowing skin in this film. Like, it's just, even for 2000, that HD. Ooh, yeah. Beautiful. It's a really good looking movie. And, you I mean, it doesn't really, like, it's not very flashy. It doesn't use colour that much. It's more like you going through these office buildings and, um, there's no like personality to his house or his um to his flat, his apartment. Um, it's very sterile, isn't very it? Very sterile, mm. and I think that's something that they kind of play with a bit within like the production design um, and the sets, especially towards the end where like he's trying to like contact his lawyer. So again, after he's like shot at the police car, 
He like goes into a building that he thinks is his work, shoots everyone in there, and then leaves, and then goes to a, an identical building which is his work. And it's like, yeah, I think it's also like a commentary on like Wall Street and then um, these corporations who kind of, on the surface, don't really do anything. It's like, oh yeah, I'm in insurance. And it's like, what is that? And like, what does that mean? You know, I can't yeah. really relate. I don't know about you guys. I can't really relate to like those kind of companies, you know, and when, it, when it's like, oh yeah, it's just like a building and it's like he works in an office and what, are they, what does he do? I yeah. don't know. Money. Yeah, like what is mergers and acquisitions? What does that uh, mean? Are they, yeah, those I are just buzzwords. Kind of Less like <laughs> what is it? A lot of what that Wall Street sort of thing was like, especially yeah. like back in the, it's like set in the late 80s and it was especially like that there. Yeah. Like you don't see anyone do any actual work in the movie. <laughs> no, he just kind of he point. just sits there, doesn't he? Yeah, he yeah. just, just <laughs> sat there listening to Huey Lewis in his office. What a gazer. You like Huey Lewis in the news? <laughs> yeah. There was that uh, part where Willem Dafoe comes in and he says, uh, Aren't you like Huey Lewis in the news? And he's like, No, I don't. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I, like music. I don't like that. I don't like music. And I think that was like, because we'd already heard that he did like Huey Lewis in the news. I think that was a point where he thought, I'm relating to this person that's disgusting i have to move away from that yeah so my favorite part i've just looked up what uh mergers and acquisitions is yeah tell but us. it doesn't really it doesn't really say anything it just says yep. mergers and acquisitions is a general term that describes the consolidation of companies or assets through various type of financial transactions including mergers and acquisitions yeah <laughs> what does any of that mean it's like talking to me in mandarin like you've just told me the mm. same thing again <laughs> it's like a whole industry built around something that you, <laughs> don't, you can't money? comprehend like, or you yeah. can't wrap your head around and these people make the most money in the world but you still have absolutely no idea what they do yeah like it's uh, no wonder it crashed no wonder like, what service crashed. do they provide and it's like you wouldn't even know if we told you the <laughs> thing is yeah they don't even know do they? they're like i don't even know <laughs> Um, going back to um, Willem Dafoe, he plays a detective in the movie. Oh, I love and Willem Dafoe. I love Dafoe. him in this movie. I think he's really great. Um, Mary Harron did this thing, which um, I think is like a really great way of directing, where he got him to do three separate takes and act in completely different ways. So like, one of them, he acts as if he's like suspicious of Patrick. Um, one, he has no clue and just like assumes he's just a normal guy and there's another one where he's kind of in between them and they used editing to kind of merge those three takes together and it like really works well because you're yeah. never quite sure what he's what, what he's, he's thinking about thinking. it yeah. yeah and it kind of puts you in like patrick bateman's like very anxious mind where he's also trying to figure it out i think that it's just it's just really great filmmaking i personally yeah. think he knew more than he let on maybe but in the end, I guess it didn't really matter. No, it never mattered. But then... He doesn't get caught. Yeah, I still can't figure out, and I know this is like um, part of the debate of the film, yeah. I still can't figure out if they happened or not, or whether yeah. he's just absolutely out of his mind. I mean, he is mm -hmm. out of his mind, but you know what I mean? Like, I know a lot of people can't decide whether it actually happened or whether it's just kind of delusions of grandeur or whatever. Yeah, I think there was a point where he goes back to Paul Allen's place after he's like 
killed a bunch of people in there and there should be like bodies hanging in like the closet and he goes back there and it's just like a house viewing that's going mm. on and it's all been painted white and everything's fine and there's nothing there and he goes in and then he talks to this woman who's like the realtor I guess and he's like oh uh, what happened here and she's like oh, I think you should leave nothing happened here and so he's just he's like really trying to like intensely trying to get him to leave and I think <sighs> I think that was more to do with like the the way that we see trying to trying we're trying to like hold people to to accountability for the things that they do. You know, these super rich people shouldn't be able to get away with all the things that they're doing because they're doing some pretty shady shit. You know, th- th- these rich people they've killed people. We fucking know it, and I think. There's a lot that we don't know because it's just covered up. And I think that's what that scene was like ultimately about. Is like, yeah, people in power have the influence and the the money to be able to cover up all this thing, all these things that they're doing, oh, so like that they it, can never get caught. Like, oh, it definitely happened, but there's yeah. no evidence or a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Epstein. I could. <laughs> Do we <what you> mean? I <laughs> also like that. Um, just a little tidbit, you know, when um. They take the I'm so sorry I don't know her name the um the prostitute back to um the flat and he meets that girl and she's like oh this um this apartment's so much nicer than your older one and he gets really really upset about it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's like what do you mean <laughs> which is funny because it's like the same apartment it looks exactly yeah. the same it's so it's. funny and it's like yeah he's just like they're arguing over like these trivial fucking things that mm. nobody really cares about. But because they're so super rich, that's all they have to argue about. It, it reminds me of like if you've ever watched an episode of like Made in Chelsea, all they care about is like their own circles. Like nothing else matters except like, oh, Ollie has a better apartment than me. I can't believe this. Like I must go get a succulent right now. And it's just like, mm. oh, come on. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, the motivation was the motivation behind him not telling people what his name is. He does it quite a lot. Like changes his name around. He like introduces himself as Paul Allen or just somebody else, and they're like, "Oh, Patrick Bateman." There's more towards the end where I don't really. I, I guess I didn't really understand what was happening like the first few times when it was like, "Oh, that Patrick Bateman is such a softy," and like it's just him talking and like to this other guy, his lawyer, and he's like, "Oh, but he's Patrick Bateman." Like he's clearly lost his mind. <laughs> so, what do you think was like? Why did he tell people? That his name was like something else that it wasn't. See, part of me thinks that because he doesn't want to get caught out and he's really insecure, I think maybe he just like prefers to be somebody else. But I don't know mm-hmm. because he because he tends to do that thing where he keeps breaking into Paul Allen's apartment, and, like pretending to be him. And I'm like, you are so insecure about yourself that you would rather be anybody maybe else. You do want to be Paul Allen because I think he does want to be him. Paul Allen. Like he literally is like, uh get a reservation at Dorsia now. Like, yeah, you're just jealous because the the man can go whenever he wants. I don't know. I feel like he's he's just so insecure. Yeah. It's like a power imbalance. Yeah. It's like a, this ever so slight struggle that he has. That like, oh, who ends up on top when the margin is so wafer thin? Yeah, I feel like he, he, he's... He, yeah, he's he's got like a very fragile ego, if that makes sense. Like, it takes nothing to piss him off as well. And I'm just mm. like, ah, oh, <laughs> you don't survive. <laughs> no. I once did that at a pub. 
I told people my name was something else. It was like more of an experiment, really. Or like I was a bit drunk and I was like, I kind of don't want these people to know who I am. To be fair, I don't though, want these so- people to know my name. I just don't really like their vibe. Sometimes it is self-preservation, yeah. though. Like, I don't know. Maybe not me specifically, but I have been out on nights out before where like people are trying to like get off with like my friends and stuff. And they'll be like, they'll just like um, lie. Like they'll say their name's different or they'll mm-hmm. say that they have like a partner and they don't, that kind of thing. And I feel like sometimes it is just self-preservation. Like you just, yeah. you don't, people don't need to know every little detail about you if you really don't want them to. I think with this, it's more like the idea of being known, the idea of letting people know who you are. You know, there's more to a name than just a name. It's like who we are. It's our identity. Mm. And he doesn't want people to know his name, perhaps because he doesn't want to identify with them. And he doesn't want to be known by these people. Um, and he doesn't even want to give them the time of day, really. So it's like, what's, what's a name, really? Like, why would I give them yeah, my actual name? Yeah, because people would be like, oh, do you know Patrick Bateman? And we'll be like, who? Yeah. <laughs> but then he would probably like that kind of thing. So he'd be like, yeah. They don't know me. Mm. I'm so cool. I don't know. He's just, like, he's just like an edgelord, this guy. He's trying to like elevate himself in a way. I feel like that's mm. what, what he did with like, that was the purpose of like how engrossed he was in music. Where it's like, he just loves explaining music to people. And the music is fucking fantastic in this movie. You it got, is. I love you know, it. Huey <laughs> Lewis in the news. You got Genesis, Phil Collins, all, all these great musicians. And, you know, it is good music. And, He's not wrong for liking that music. No. But at the same time, what he's trying to get at, I think, is like grasping for that brilliance and trying to convey it <clears throat> to others. Because we look at musicians as these ethereal, godlike beings because they've created something that can't be described a lot of the time. Apparently, um, like the majority of the budget to this movie went towards the music because mm-hmm. of how expensive it was to license everything. And, um, yeah, you've got some big names there. I Whitney suppose. Houston refused to let them use her music in the <laughs> film. So they had to like substitute it out in that scene where he's talking about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a great scene. <laughs> I feel like um, even uh, sorry, going back to like how he his kind of rivalry with Paul Allen. They even look the same. Basically, they look so similar. The same. They're the same haircut. They got the same glasses. The same they don't have the same eye color. What? 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 What are you talking about? I thought you said they had the same eye colour and you I was like, they, they don't. They have the same haircut, they have the same glasses. Oh, right. No, yeah, like, it's literally like the only difference between the two mm. of them is that one has blue eyes and one has brown mm. eyes. It's really, really weird. I mean, but then is that supposed to be, I don't know, is that meant to be some other kind of like metaphor? Like, this is the better you. It's like... This is who you wish you know. were. I don't know. Why are you trying to, I don't know, like, why are you trying to be him? When he is you. Yeah. And it's like, just trying to progress in these small increments and you're already at the top. What Supposedly. It yeah, because he, if he thinks he's so great, well. You've won. You've yeah, if he thinks won. he's it so great, then yeah, why does it matter? But he obviously doesn't actually think that deep down, obviously. Mm. Obviously, he wouldn't have like, murdered him with Max. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <sighs> oh, Paul. <laughs> I kind of like, I don't know if I like get so lost in the end, but it's like, it's a really fucking fantastic ending. I mm-hmm. think it's like, yeah, w- this huge monologue where he's just like, oh, um, you know, even when he confesses, no one believes him or like, they don't want to know. So he just gets away with anything. And he says, oh yeah, my confession meant nothing. And 
and then he just goes along with his day. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is just, this is exactly what we're seeing, you know? Because yeah, that's exactly, again. yeah, that's exactly how it is. It. Yeah. I guess in a way, though, you must get kind of like, maybe that's kind of like jading to him as well, because he's like, maybe, yeah, maybe it's the fact of like wanting to be, yeah. like, like, it's kind of the same thing as being like, oh, no one believes me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, because there was all of this end, was when he's irrelevant. like got the gun. He's like, where to get the gun? And he tries to shoot the cat. Like, yeah, where did that gun come? He just came out of nowhere. And then, like this huge explosion goes off as he shoots the cop cars and like he's running around. I'm like, this isn't real. It's clearly not real. And then he's got that confession scene. Like he goes up to his um office and he like he's completely unhinged by that point. He's just crying and telling his lawyer how many people he killed and it's like i'm like yeah none of that was real but maybe he is in his office actually telling his lawyer who he's killed well he might well yeah he must have because and then they go oh yeah i just had a dinner with paul allen in london 10 days ago what are you talking about battery yeah. and there was like a switch i think there was like oh has he actually killed anyone what do we think or is he just because he's clearly a psychopath? But yeah. has he actually done all these things? I'm not and sure. Does it matter? <laughs> it I'm, doesn't matter. But I'm rooting on the side of I'm kind no. of like split between thinking he has done all this stuff, but also, you know, everyone seems to be mistaking each other's names throughout the movies. Like multiple people call him something other than Patrick Bateman. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they because they're so interchangeable, just business people generally, and like. They all just kind of seem to be the same. I think that probably has something to do with it. Maybe he did have dinner with someone, but it wasn't actually Paul Allen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like someone who yeah looks like a Paul Allen or... Someone like Patrick Bateman who said his name was Paul Allen. Yeah, or... Well, yeah, was maybe, actually yeah, maybe, a different person entirely. Yeah, or, but yeah, maybe his lawyer thinks that... Because it, maybe he, yeah, he used a different name. Maybe he's like, oh, you're not that guy that killed him, but... Mm. I guess that's where this psychopathy this is, this uh, is... <laughs> takes a hold. Yeah, you know? kind of makes insane. sense. And obviously he's going through like some really serious mental trauma throughout the entire movie, I don't know. And I think <laughs> there was a point at the end where he sits down at the table with his mates and they're just watching TV and they're commenting on the TV and it's like, yeah, nothing changed and nothing happened as a result of this confession. And there's a sign on the door uh, behind him, and it says, "This is not an exit." I was like, "Oh, I'd never noticed that before." But it's like, "Yeah, this is not. This is not an exit. This is something that he thought was going to conclude a chapter in his life, and maybe go to jail, or maybe something would happen, but nothing did." And that's what we're, we're seeing. You know, it's like, yeah, just, these people get bailed out, or like they get protected, and nothing happens, and it, it's just they live their life, and they don't need to worry about it. Hmm. Obviously, he's like, "Oh yeah," and I, I ate some of their brains. It's some of these people's brains, and it's like, I think when you eat human brains, you go insane or like something. It I've heard about an imbalance that before. Of like, chemicals within your mind, and like you, yeah, I think you go insane from that. Um. So, did he eat brains? I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he only needed to eat the one brain. Maybe. Maybe. Mm. But I guess, yeah, again, it doesn't matter. 
doesn't really matter because it's it's obviously it's going for something a bit more abstract. I think it's like trying to it spark uh, the lean debate into this yeah. Yeah, whole metaphor with it, you know, which I like. I kind of like that. I can't really figure the movie out in that way. I don't really know if I want to. Yeah. No, like I I don't want to know because then I feel like the yeah the mystery's mm. gone. Which is yep. the only time I think I've ever said that in a film because most of the time I get really pissed off and I don't know what's happening in the film. Yeah, but this but it's time it's fine. Yeah, yeah, this this time it's okay because I'm just like, you kind of interpret it in your own kind of way. Yeah, there's like obviously the brutality of killing people and then eating them is like so horrible. You know, it's such a horrible image to conjure up. And obviously they they eat a lot of food in this movie and they go to these different restaurants and there's like really delicate little platters of food and they it's like this contrast between the delicacy of the food that they're having at the restaurants and then eating actual human meat <laughs> i've really never understood like rich people food like they pay thousands and well hundreds and thousands of pounds or dollars or whatever for these tiny ass little shitty meals just yeah <laughs> whatever eat a fucking burger <laughs> <laughs> Just whatever. I'll yeah, never get just it. Just like in Spencer, just at the end. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> Another part where he's like dragging that body through his apartment and like in this bag, and there's just like a trail of blood that's following him. And the guy at the door's just like, "See you later, man." I feel like no one lives there. Like I've, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I've concluded in yeah, my own head like that no into, one lives there. He runs into Lewis and. Where'd you get like that overnight the fucking, bag? <laughs> he's chucking the fucking body in the in the boot, and he's like, "Oh my god, <sighs> where did you get that overnight bag?" Yeah, like, okay. It could have been any. Yeah, it could have just been any bag as well. Maybe I didn't have a body in there, or maybe it's that you just you just overlook these things. These people just kind of overlook these things. Yeah. Like yeah, it doesn't even matter because they're so materialistic about. Or like yeah, I don't even care about the body. Like, yeah, the body. it's all about the bag. Who knows? Maybe they're all killing people. They probably are. Pretty much what you said mm. earlier, so yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe so. Yeah, there's obviously a line at the beginning where he's like describing who he is and like what he does, and it's like there's an idea of a Patrick Bateman, an abstraction. There is no real me, so I think that kind of feeds into like this kind of changing mm. personalities, and like everyone can sort of you could change someone out with just anyone and yeah. be the same person because it's like yeah, that's like who are these people really? And on that note, I just like kind of represent a a whole they kind of represent like a business or like a a company or like a conglomerate of people it's just like mm. who do, who the fuck do you know who's in business that's nothing well get like, yeah, well, so I guess business, it, I'm in insurance I'm in I, I make money and that's it yeah I guess and there's nothing kind of, there's no like depth to it you know well maybe not but I guess it <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything about like business or insurance. So I don't really know what it is that they actually do. Yeah, but I feel like it's, yeah. nobody's going to explain it to you. Exactly. This is the thing. Ratings. Sure. We'll do it out of. Um, Where do you want to do it out of? Paul Allen's. Okay. Sure. Icon. Yeah, this is a really great movie. I've seen it loads of times, and I'll definitely watch it loads more times because it's just an absolute blast. Um, I think I give it eight Paul Allen's out of ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I fucking love this movie. Um, it's one of my favourites, honestly. Um, it's just so much fun all the time. And it's not just like a funny, violent movie. It's trying to say something bigger about 
the, the, time, the type of people who are at the top. I'll give it 10. Paul Allen's out of 10. Cool. Um, nah, I really like this film. This sounds great. Um, I still find it hard to believe that every time he said he was 27, I was like, you are not 27. <laughs> Get a grip. Yeah. More like 33. Anyway, um, I will probably watch this many more times throughout my life, but maybe not so soon. Um, nine Paul Allens out of ten. I had to think for a second then what we read out of. Awesome. I literally got my phone out to do my film, and then I literally just popped it back down again. So um, I don't even know why that's up there. I'm going to... Okay. So, my movie... Um, my movie is called Mary and Max. Um, came out in 2009, directed by Adam Elliott. About two pen pals. Um, one is a eight-year-old girl that lives in uh, Melbourne, Australia, and Max, a 44-year-old who lives in New York. And it's essentially just about them becoming friends through writing letters to each other. Um. I would go into a bit more detail, but we may as well just talk about the film as a whole. It's good. It's good. Uh, you know? Good. It's that good that was not convincing. That was it's most, pretty it, good. So I've, I have seen this once before, um, and I've always been meaning to go back to it. It's a very hard movie to get a hold of. Um, yeah. I think I liked it more when I first saw it. Or I felt the same way and I just don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, is a very good animation there. Really, um, I won't say vibrant because it's not going for vibrant. No, no color the palette is quite opposite. dull and grey and that's exactly what it's going for. Um, like it uses colour very well, uh, very sparingly um, in a way that kind of, you know, there's more colour in Australia and every time like she writes to him, Shall I put something in a box and go, here's a thing that I thought you'd like, and then there's colour in uh, his life now, and it's like her brightening brightening his life. It's a very wholesome movie, I think. It's very nice. Um, yeah. But I won't... I, I don't know if I'd really connect with it, you know? It's just nice for me. I just find it, like, fun and wholesome, you know? It's a bit like a hug. Yeah. But then it also kind of punches you in the face at the same time. (laughs) It's a hug, but it turns out in the middle of the hug, that person's just stabbed you in the heart. Yeah. Especially for Chris. I mean, I guess the only problem is that, yeah, because it's so hard to get a hold of, we have to get a DVD copy of it, and my God, did it look like shit. Yeah, I don't know what was going on with that DVD, but it did look really bad. It was from CEX, to be fair. (laughs) No, I but don't think it's even now. I think it's just it, the DVD. It looked generally. bad. Mm-hmm. It was very, very like, like there was no color in it, but you could definitely tell that it just didn't look right. It's hard to explain. Yeah, yeah. I really, really love this movie. This is the second time I've seen it. Also, mm-hmm. and um, it just hits me really hard in a lot of ways. It's a film that I really connect to. Um, feel like. In a lot of ways, I relate to both of the characters, and I think that's why I enjoy it so much and why I get so much out of it. Like someone who kind of like relates to that Paul Loner sort of thing, kind of it resonates quite deeply with me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I like their kind of their dynamic, you know, and they do kind of fuck up a bit. Uh, but like that's that's human, you know. And like he tells her about how he has Asperger's uh, or Asperger's, as we say it in the UK. Uh, and she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna." And then she like writes a book trying to cure it, and he gets very mad about that. And I think that was that was a good little thing to have in there. Yeah, and the, especially to like sow tension into their relationship, where like, you know, they've not seen each other. Mm-hmm. They live on opposite ends of the world. They're still able to like, kind of create that friction between those two characters. And I like that they used uh, Asperger's within the movie. And I like that they kind of address that. You know, it's not. It shouldn't really be viewed as a disability. More so that it's just like people with Asperger's. They're just like different. No, and they have like a different way yeah, of that is, yeah. using their minds. That is probably one of the only parts of the film that I really related to, but yeah. it's not it's not ne- necessarily because, well, obviously don't have, um, I'm not on the spectrum, but like, it's more of the case that like, I don't know, like if, if, if you have some sort of like neurodiverse like thing and it's like class as a disability like a lot of people like just kind of like want to like fix you and fix it Mm -hmm. and it's kind of i feel like there's like more strength in playing to your your differences rather than like someone going oh yeah i can't wait to cure whatever's wrong with you and it's like there's nothing fucking wrong with me shut up that's what max says multiple times throughout the film he's Mm -hmm. like i don't want to be cured i don't want what i've got to be fixed or people to make me better i think that's something that i think is just really great writing yeah it's a lot of strength in his own character as well like i think because i know like like i said like i'm i'm going back to like myself here but like obviously in in a different sort of condition like there there are times where you probably could be like oh man i just wish someone would like sort me out but then at the same time it's kind of you are always gonna be you, but mm. what like why why should people have like you shouldn't have to change yourself for the sake of other people like I think it says more about your character that you can just go about doing your own thing and like enjoying your own life if that makes sense like there's nothing necessarily there to fix because you've never known anything else like I think it's kind of. In fact, it's kind of rude of Mary actually to make a make a book like "Oh, can't wait to fix your illnesses." Like, I would tell Mary to shove up her ass. Mm. To be honest, it kind of just goes to show that you don't really understand it unless you actually have it. Like, you can write a book mm. breaking down this mental illness, but you're not you're still not going to really understand what it's like have that illness and what that person wants yeah. and what can set them up. A lot of these things kind of piss me off a lot when um you you see like written things like from like I mean fair enough, you know, like you've got your credited people like, you know, you, they've gone through their like doctorates and their PhDs and stuff. But if you're just researching it, you've never lived it. And I think it says more about someone who's actually like lived it and Say so. I don't know. Someone wrote their own book about it, but had the condition or something. I'm more likely to take that on board than I am to read about someone who's got a PhD in psychology. I don't give a fuck what you have to say. I'd rather read it from someone who's lived it. Well, it's a symptom of the society that we live in. That's very binary, and things have to be done a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and if you, you you're outside of that certain way then you're someone who needs to be fixed or you're someone who you know you're not normal um and i know when i was in school i maybe i needed things sort of done differently for me uh, oh yeah because you'd need adaptations wouldn't you yeah yeah so i i i think we just need to live in a world that kind of fosters these differences in a way that doesn't vict- villainize them or um you know feel like if you have them then you're you're like somehow worse or like you don't fit in mm-hmm. um i just feel like we'd benefit in the world if we kind of we had different ways of doing things and it wasn't so like here's a you know you go to school and you go to college and then you go to university and then you get a job and then you have you, you fall in love and you get married and you have kids and you die and then it's like, like yeah great okay brilliant whatever but it's like if you don't fit into that mold mm. people automatically assume there's something wrong with you and not like that mold especially but it's like you, we've all grown up with these um systems in place where it's like you're kind of outside of that system in a slight, slight way you get made fun of you get ridiculed you know you go to therapy in some cases to sort out what's wrong with you in quotation marks but like where I feel there's just we need to stop thinking of this as like something that's wrong with people more like what can we do to adapt as a it. society to adapt to ourselves to these these different behaviors that need a different way of thinking about things yeah because there's different yeah because there's different ways of dealing with things like I was um so in my masters I did like a like a module on like you have to choose your own subjects and I obviously chose like people like neurodiverse conditions. I mostly looked at things like autism because um it was uh like an exhibition I went to in uh Valencia like a little while ago. And they were there was like a statistic that was like um I don't know, like fifty percent of people in prisons have some sort of neurodivergent condition because they struggled in school so they resorted to things like uh, drug dealing and stealing and stuff like that and it's really it was really interesting because i thought there are like there are supposed to be these systems in place that are supposed to like benefit people who have these kind of conditions but it kind of works against them as well because a lot of the time they're either not implemented properly or they just they're not done to the sort of thing that the kids need like i know i know schools are getting better but like when I was at school, you j- you just had someone that would like help you write something, but that would be it. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have the same sorts of like options that you kind of have yeah, now. Yeah, the exact same at my yeah. school. Mm-hmm. Like you'd have like a assistant who would help write something down for mm-hmm. you or give you extra time in an exam, and that was about about it. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like these kind of things. They're I-, I like that they're there, but they're like not enough. Especially when you are someone, okay, especially like myself, who, who's gone under the radar of not knowing things for, what, 20-ish odd years, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I feel like there, I don't know, there needs to be, like, more in place to, like, kind of excel the differences that people have when they're at things like school. Like, if I knew what I knew now, I think I would have been able to do a lot better at school, if that makes sense. Like, because when you're young, but then there's always that time of like putting a label on something that necessarily doesn't need to be done. But the only way you ever get any actual kind of help is if you have these horrible labels because otherwise you're not deemed like worthy enough for help. And it's, 
oh, it's a little bit shit, but like this is kind of what happens to to Max in this film. He he has he has <laughs> he has a he has his like breakdown, and then he has to go to a hospital, and then they go, oh, actually, you might be forty five, but did you know you had Asperger's? And he's probably like, yeah, I kind of fucking knew. Because let's be honest, he he knew. Well, he gets diagnosed with it in the film because that was like the first time it only just It was been, new, wasn't it? Yeah, it only just really been discovered. Oh, so that's yeah, why sorry, I forgot. This film's set in like the 80s, isn't it? Or like the late yeah, 70s. The 70s, 80s. Yeah, I remember because mm. he had that jar of toenail clippings. Yeah, yeah, no, I just remembered. Sorry. No. Oh, yes, he did. <laughs> oh, sorry, I completely forgot about that part because I was like, oh, why didn't they think about that before? No, that makes sense, actually. But yeah. um, And he gets out and he's like, you know what? I like being an, as- an Aspie. As he's do you know him. what? That that part really pissed me off. And it's not it's nothing to do with the film itself, yeah. like, or nothing to do with the terminology. But um, when I was going through all of these systems to find out like um, what was going on with me, um, my therapist used to call me an Aspie and I used to be like, mm-hmm. oh, man, yeah. I fucking hate that. Yeah. And now knowing that I don't even have autism is even like, I don't know, sounds even worse because yeah. like imagine having, I don't know, imagine having that sort of like label and then being like, oh, actually yeah. you're not autistic by the way. And I'm like, oh God, it's just, just embarrassing, yeah. isn't it? Like, we but if he's proud of it. Like, no, these labels, it. like especially if you're not, diagnosed professionally no like yeah this was the thing like because she was so convinced and then it turned out i just had adhd so that was that was a good time wasn't it Mm. but yeah i think it's it's kind of damaging as well when you have these kind of labels kind of enforced on you like i never asked to be called an aspie but that kind of happened um as i think sometimes people take it and they take charge of it because like especially in like max's case he's like oh i'm proud that I have this difference and it makes me who I am and I'm like, do you know what? Sometimes you have to play it to your differences and I think I think it's cool. But I just didn't mm. like it when you said it because it just reminded me. I was like, oh, fucking yeah, hell. Yeah. <laughs> On the opposite end, you've got Mary who's this little girl and she's um, not very well liked within her circle in Australia. Uh, she's got like, she's got a lot of things she wants to change about herself. Mm-hmm. Got like a birthmark that she wants removed, and then she gets it removed, and she's like, "That actually didn't really help anything." She gets this whole new look, and then she still gets dog shit on her shoe, and it's like, "Well, what did it really help in the end?" Because we can all get dog shit on our shoe. Yeah, is that is that is kind of like the she had physical things going on, and Max mm-hmm. had mental things going on. And I kind of you kind of saw it from both ends yeah. of like the both ends. Of the, I was gonna say both ends of the coin. <laughs> <laughs> Both ends of those coins, yeah. Ah, got those endless coins. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, um, you, you can see it from two different sides of the... the oh, do you want to fuck it? I can't, I can't even yeah, do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think both characters are just really, really well written. You can mm-hmm. tell that Adam Elliot, like, really cared about these characters. And I think he really does explore them in quite an interesting way. It's very in-depth, the way he, like, describes these characters through these letters that they write each other. I think that's something that really makes you like the characters, like kind of hearing them, the characters themselves, like describe themselves and what they like and what they dislike and that kind of thing. I think that's something that makes these characters feel much more real than a lot of film characters you watch. Yeah. Makes them feel more real than actual people. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because 
they are kind of spilling out all their thoughts into these pages. It's like, it's not how, like, I would communicate with someone. It's like, oh, I saw a bird today, or like, <laughs> and I like this color. Do you like that? Or like, what's your favorite thing about this? And it's like, I, I think that's where that overlap comes from, though. Like, um, if you, once again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not like trying to, I don't know, uh, disinju- uh, you know what I mean, but like, um, like when people with um, autism take things quite like literally and like you got kids who like kind of do the same. It's almost like, it's almost like watching two people on the same sort of mindset trying to like talk to each other, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like I can, you can always tell like when someone is going to be like, oh, I saw a bird today and then the kid would be like, Oh yeah, I also saw a bird today, yeah. and it it was a shit bird. When they must say it's a shit bird, you know what I mean? It's just like I don't know. I felt, I kind of I felt like those were two like they were two people who could carry on a conversation together because they just didn't really care about yeah. who they were talking to or what they were talking about. It's like a stream of consciousness, really. Yeah, it's almost like they were talking to themselves in a way, weren't they? Because yeah. they never well, they never met. It's like oh, if you're an atheist. Babies are born from eggs laid by prostitutes. <laughs> okay. They're both like kind of telling each other like these things that they believe to be true but aren't actually true. It's like, yeah, I heard that uh, babies are found in beer bottles. <laughs> He's like, oh, I don't know about that. I heard that they were born from eggs laid by prostitutes. <laughs> yeah. and, I think they, I think they both like see the world very differently, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. early on in the film where Mary is a young girl. She kind of sees it sees the world like a young girl would and like Mary, um, Max, sorry, is much more anxious and afraid of the world. And I think that it's perfectly shown through the different usage of colours they use in both their different cities. Like Who could blame them though? Mary is like a the city she lives in is very bright and colourful for a lot of it at least, while New York is just completely black and white. Like the only colour really that comes in is like from the letters and like gifts that like Mary sends Max. Yeah. Do you like how New York was introduced and like immediately like three gunshots go up? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, through the signpost. <laughs> really I mean like to show New York as this disgusting, dirty place. Yeah, yeah it's I, like a very over the top, like cartoony kind of depiction of it. But the thing is I could I can I can't really imagine someone like Max like actually living in New York. Yeah, like he doesn't uh, like living in New York. Yeah, though. like it, this is and uh, I'm not kind of a problem I had. It was like, oh, and then he wins the lottery and he gets and all he money, still lives and he just there. lives in New York. Still, it's like, why didn't you just leave? I think that's one of the things about the character though. He doesn't really like change. Change kind mm-hmm. of scares him. He just uses the money he gets to buy something that he likes. He Actually, doesn't that's use a fair it point. to kind of change his world because I know for someone with Asperger's new things is very scary. Like when he first gets that letter from Mary, that scares him because it's something new in his life. It's a new person talking to him. So I think it makes complete sense that he stays in this place even if he hates it. Yeah, I guess it's that sort of oh, like almost over overwhelming kind of element to having to I don't know like having to move and stuff like um I mean a lot of people could probably relate to that though like imagine actually having to like uproot everything and go somewhere else I mean like for someone like it must be quite difficult but like I'm not even talking about the fact that he lives 
in New York. I'm talking about the fact that this man can afford to live in New York as well. Like, what? What? Oh wait, but this is like the. Oh, do you know what? Fuck it. You I was also just have like, like a really again, shit like, apartment. Yeah. So that's probably yeah. how he lives in like the cheapest <laughs> dog shit apartment he could possibly <laughs> live in. I don't know. We start throwing logic into it. If all yeah, I know. Apart, I, right? I just, so I how just. Is she, how does Mary even fucking send all this post to him? I like how she that has was no the, money. She doesn't have a job. I love that. It was just like randomly watching it, and then Max just goes, "And how did she get the money to send this?" And we're like, "Oh, in this world, post no, just free." <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's the only thing that makes sense. It's about the letters, you know. Otherwise, there's no movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To be honest. Can't like explain like oh and Mary had like a lot of money actually so this is how she was able to do all this and just explain all these things. I don't really need explaining. Also love that the um that chicken Ethel that yeah. she had yeah, that chicken lived forever like that chicken never died. That chicken was immortal just, chicken. Yeah, it's just immortal. I'm pretty sure chickens don't live as long as that chicken did. But there we go. We're rating this one out of immortal chicken. <laughs> That's it. I think. There were a lot of instances where um, Max was shown to be very intelligent, and I think that's that's a good way to frame it as well. Because often, you know, people who are, as you said, neurodivergent, mm-hmm. like, they, 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 there are there are really intelligent people, just in ways that we don't really like traditionally intelligent. It's like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. and I've taught myself how to read two books at once. What to just read one with one eye and the other with the other? It's like. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's because obviously people will, um, they find like different ways of doing something or yeah. people like me, I guess, it's doing multiple things at the same time to get one job done, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, I think, um, yeah, it, when, it's kind of sad because like a lot of people would like take that at like uh, face value, like, oh, if you've got a certain I don't even like saying disability because I mean it's classed as a disability but it's only because technically if it if it's only like a disorder if it affects like two or more aspects of your life if that makes sense so obviously things like Asperger's would do that mm-hmm. but apparently it's not even called Asperger's anymore you can't call it that anymore I don't know anyway I remember my mum texting me not that long ago and she was like you can't call it that anymore political correctness got mad anyway um <laughs> A lot of it would just come down to people thinking that because you have this sort of thing that you're not you're not bright, but it's mm. it, yeah, it comes down to just doing things in a completely different way. Or you might be like I don't know, Max knew tons of things about random shit that no one ever knew about. Like um, what was he talking about? Like fucking turtles and the National Geographic. Like he could probably read the National Geographic one in each hand, and he could probably recite every single page. Yeah, well, he's he was in like um, his one of his jobs was like he worked for the military because he could like he was really great at maths and he could like add up all the pens that they needed. To be fair, that that is quite a stereotypical kind of um, autistic thing is that they're very good at like maths. Yeah, Yeah. I don't I don't know why that's I think it's an analytical kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the reasons why I was like, I definitely could not be that because yeah. I fucking suck at that. <laughs> he says, but, like, um, people like to believe in God because it answers complicated questions. I'm like, mm. oh, that was interesting. I mean... <laughs> they do ask a lot of interesting questions. Mm. And sometimes it takes, like, asking questions a child would ask to get to the root of, like, deeper problems, you know? 
I mean, I did like that question where they were like, why do they make bus timetables if they never yeah. run on time? And I was <laughs> like, that is such yeah. a mood. <laughs> why is that so true? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I say that like, at least like three times a week, I mm. swear. I'm Just, surprised Max didn't die sooner for all the shit that he eats. And he's like, yeah, he's obese. And also he doesn't, he doesn't change the fact that he's obese or like he doesn't like try to change his health in any way. He actually goes one step further and he's like, Oh, here you go, Mary. Uh, you know, it, please fly and close these pop rocks, which you should eat with cola. It's like, cool. Potion, potion of tooth decay, that is. I, f- I think there's there's also another thing to be said. Like, if we're going down, like, the whole route of, like, Max's mindset is that um, a lot of people with the neurodivergency, blah, 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 um, they have things like um, safe foods and things that they will just, eat all the time because they don't like the texture and certain other aspects of like food and obviously the only what the only things that he ever really ate were noodles and like chocolate bars and hot dogs you know what i mean like foods that have like high like dopamine kind of levels and stuff like i could imagine him like literally it's not the fact that he doesn't want to eat better he just can't if that makes sense. Mm. Like, i'm definitely a dopamine chaser like i'm literally eating a chocolate orange right now not only my lactose intolerant but I'm only eating it because it's got sugar. That's literally the only fucking reason I'm eating it. Yeah. Sorry. Well, it, Sorry, a few more. Yeah, there is. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah, it, I think it's just one of those things that like, it's really hard to change those habits if your brain chemicals are telling you that you, like, you, you don't like things and you won't eat the things. So that makes sense? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. See, this is uh, why they keep inviting me on the podcast because they're like, "Oh, Darcy's going to have some form of sugar." Yeah. Invite you to the podcast. <laughs> this is your podcast. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why they kept me here. Sorry, mm. let me rephrase that. They were like, "Oh, Darcy's going to bring the sugar." Yeah, that's actually why Connor left. Well, he didn't leave. We kicked him off because he wasn't bringing us sugar. Goddamn, doesn't bring snacks. <laughs> it's also very dark. The movie. It You've is. Got, like, what is it? Like her aunt. Or her mother, I think, Vera, yeah. kills herself. <laughs> she's like, oh, she drinks some formaldehyde. Yeah, she drinks embalming she's like a, yeah. fluid. She's always on the sherry, old Vera. Like, ah, oh, she once drank formaldehyde and then she died. And it's like, oh, shit. And we just talk about There's her gravestone. There's a lot gravestone. of like, dark themes to this movie for a 12. I didn't expect them to go where it, where it kind of did. Mary tries to kill herself. Yeah. That was fucked up. First time I watched it, that killed me. Yeah. I wasn't expecting so that, to upsetting. be honest. She really like, in. yeah, she like tries to kill herself and then just to hammer it home, it like pans down and like shows this like baby like in the womb. <laughs> she's pregnant. Yeah. Like so the first time I watched that, I was like, fucking hell, it's like the ending of Irreversible. Mm. Like the ultimate gut punch after like, this like really depressing moment. It was, I'm surprised that she didn't get like really fucked up from because she obviously didn't do it, but she took a shitload of Valium. Like, how is she alive? Like, I'm so How's surprised. How's the baby alive? Like, it's just madness. Absolute madness. Yeah, what the... How the baby survive? I don't know, but then... It's something I really <laughs> appreciate about this movie. It does have these, like, real emotional highs and lows, and I think because it reaches so many like huge highs and huge lows that's something that makes it much more effective i think the last scene of the film is like the perfect blend of like this really 
wholesome sweetness and also like it's sadness. Like, bittersweet, isn't like, it? Seeing, obviously, Mary finally goes to visit Max and he's like died, but she like looks around his apartment and he's like stuck up all of the letters and he's like looking up, smiling. And it's like, it's really, really sad, but it's really sweet as well. Yeah. yeah like, mm. This film felt. Ironically, because it's an animation, this film felt the most human to me. Like yeah. I've I've felt in a film for a while. Have we even brought up the fact that it's animated? Because I don't think we, we did. Have. We we um, Max did in the beginning, but we haven't really talked about it. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah so yeah. it's like a stop motion animated, and it's fucking beautiful. The animation mm. is so incredible. Yeah, it's really cool. Like just, I think the sets and character designs are like so unique and distinctive. Like just the general construction work of all the like the little sets and everything and the little puppets as well. It's all looks so incredible. It has like this super unique look. Like Yeah, it's kind I, of scary looking. To yeah, be it is. <laughs> Everything's very jarring. Like a lot of things are like intentionally a bit askew. There's not really like any like straight lines or anything because um the director has like a physiological tremor and he can't like draw straight lines or anything he's constantly oh, he shaking so he like because of that he always wants to put that in his movies so he mm. intentionally makes everything seem slightly off and slightly askew and i think it really fits with the tone i like that film. actually that's a really interesting kind of fact i mean because uh, <sighs> i guess on an animation kind of aspect I respect animation that like does stop motion because it's fucking painstaking. Like I don't think I yeah. could ever do it, so I respect it. I respect the craft. And in some ways, it almost like presents itself as like a like an Aardman movie. It like doesn't a, feel like a stop an, motion, to like me a kids anyway. movie, because it's got like this narrator played by Barry Humphreys, who's speaking throughout the whole film and telling the story in this almost like fairy tale kind of way. And I think it like really contrast the dark more adult themes throughout really well yeah i like that max had kind of shrek like ears yeah i like liked his weird like Mary. head yeah he's got <laughs> i like the bit where you see his penis that was great yeah that was awesome i like the way that mary walks she's like kind of shuffling side to side like moving forward the legs don't bend they've not got knees so it's just like kind of shuffling from side to side in order to move forward I found yeah. that to be interesting, um, an interesting way to animate the, the, these characters because they all kind of move in a very different way. And I think that kind of contributes to the characters as a whole as well. <clears throat> They're also played very well, you know? Mm. Philip Seymour Hoffman is great as Max. You never, I never really even realised it was him. No. Not the first time I was like, oh, first okay. time no, I didn't, didn't realise until I got to the credits. And yeah, he's great. Yeah, I he just, is fantastic. You can't tell it's him. No, like, like I just picked up job. the DVD and I was like, when the freaking hell was he in this film? And I had to look yeah. it up. Bethany Whitmore is the young Mary. She's really good. This child. Um, and obviously Tony Collette, uh, when she grows up, she, is, she does a great job too. Yeah. Both Philip Seymour Hoffman and Tony Collette are great in pretty much everything mm -hmm. though. I've never seen a bad performance from either of them. No. Yeah. I think they probably use that one song too much. I'm going into negatives. What song was it all? It's like... Okay, you fucking using the song. I love that. Oh, you talk about the one that was on the menu? 
Yeah, it was in the menu and it right. was in the movie like 10 times. Yeah. I, I must have absolutely had no, just must drawn straight over the air because I'm thinking about the menu, but I don't remember hearing it in the film. <laughs> I really love the music. Just I gone. think it's, it's very simple, but I think it works well. Mm-hmm. But I, I get what you mean. It does That song does play quite a lot. Yeah. I really don't remember any music playing in the film. So. It's, it's very <laughs> subtle. It's not like, it's not really loud and in your face or anything. There's not mm-hmm. loads of huge epic themes it's not not like a star wars movie or something but sometimes it, i just like getting well look, I, I sometimes i get so like engrossed in something that i don't even notice it that's not even necessarily a bad thing no i just i just didn't i just didn't even notice it it's just it's not like once again talk about beverly hills cult where i could i i noticed it and i could hear it every time but yeah this stuff just didn't yeah. also i mean this is a very subjective thing the humor but i didn't really find it that funny i didn't really laugh like at all who sat there and like hearing you guys laugh and I was like, okay. Yeah, I'm like the complete opposite. I think it's really funny. Yeah. I think it is really dry. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I look I really like dry humour, but I think so, I think some of it was just funny because it was just like, oh, of course that would be what you would say. Do you know, I, I I can't explain it. Like some some of it was just like so ridiculously like carefree. I was just like, Oh, that is yeah. so dumb. I think I my love it. favorite jokes from like the really like subtle like blink and you miss it like sight gags like a lot of great like writing on like signs that you can like they're in the background it's a shame we watched the dvd because it was obviously quite blurry so there was a yeah. lot of jokes that i think we missed i didn't but there was like a lot of talking about. it reminds me a lot of like early simpsons like these like small little sight gags that if you're paying close attention you'll see like um the bit where i think it's mary's mother dies and like they're in the cemetery and there's the gravestone next to it that says no, rest in peace adam elliott no yeah. um, i like the bit that said she was very merry died by sherry yeah. that bit actually yeah. made me like how it was the, so um, funny adam elliott um gravestone we couldn't see it because it was so shit but like underneath his name it says overrated <laughs> <laughs> i mean my favorite gag was actually from um Max, when he went, oh, I thought Thanks. that book said feces on it, and I was like, that is so fucking funny. Yeah. He's got like a book of faces, so you can tell <laughs> when people are angry and when people are happy. And I thought it said feces instead of faces. Wasn't that right at the end yeah. as well? Like when I'm sat there crying because mm-hmm. it's died. Yeah, and I laughed out loud. Like, <laughs> ha I can't read. Yeah, there was there was definitely d- there was two very different reactions to yeah. this, and I was just like, I was like, I turned around and I knew. That Chris was like about to cry because I can I can sort of like get a gist and I was like you're right and he's just like no mm. <laughs> and that was it sad me yeah I uh, I think I laughed at the part where um Mary's got like this neighbour who's doesn't go outside he's got like agoraphobia oh um, agoraphobia <laughs> and she's like oh yeah he's scared of outside which is a disease called homophobia <laughs> I love great, that that bit know. was or when we were talking about like. When the um, when the when the uh, the air conditioning vent falls out of Max's apartment and it kills that mime, it goes <laughs> to like a court and it says, um, "Oh, his manslaughter charges were dropped because he had no motive for killing a mime artist." Unlike most people, yeah. <laughs> I love that um, that bit where the air conditioner is like falling down and the mime artist gets out an umbrella. Yeah, it's really good. To be honest, for ages. Yeah, he killed himself. He could have just moved. Like, I I don't think there was any 
any fault on Max's behalf. It's like um, when Mary's um, neighbour finally works up the courage to get outside. Every time he goes outside, he almost gets hit by a car or something. Mm. Like it seems like he had good reason to be scared so of outside because everything's out to get him. I also liked. Um, is it Mary's other neighbour that she eventually like? marries and he's like i'm actually gay my yeah. my pen pal desmond he's a sheep eric farmer <laughs> yeah yeah eric Banner. what a gazer what a gazer out with the sheep i loved it yeah apparently philip seymour hoffman and adam elliott never actually met in person oh, like wow. hoffman did <laughs> all of his parts like recorded them over skype god damn over skype jesus man are you okay Darcy's dying. Yeah? Yeah, at the time he was like working on a, pr- a play in London, so... Yeah, yeah. Are oh, you alright, mate? Choking on the coke? Yeah. Well, you shouldn't have... It was, it was my own fault for... Um... Shouldn't have done so much of it. Oh, uh, yeah, man. No, it's fine. It's all good. You could just keep that in, Chris, if you like. Just... No, well, I'll probably forget to cut it out. Ah. Uh... Oh, <laughs> It's right, it's not, it's not a COVID-related cough. Just me not knowing how to drink. I feel like I'm going to cry. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got anything else to no. add? <laughs> no. Have, no you got, cool. have you got a wheel? No, what are we racing at? I do, but we're not there yet. Oh no, I was we just making sure um, you had it. Oh! It was the Im- chickens. I- immortal chickens. Immortal chickens. Yeah, sure. Yeah, this is a really, really beautiful movie. Um, I'm definitely going to buy the Blu-ray and get rid of the DVD because it looks like shit. It does. It's just, yeah, I wish it was more readily accessible because like, the only way you can get the Blu-ray is like importing it, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wish it was like on Netflix or something, or even back on Prime because that was how I watched it the first time. <laughs> so I think this is a film that people should see. I'm glad it's got like there's quite a big cult following because... Just really great animation. We need more of these kind of adult stop motion animations. I'll give it 10 immortal chickens out of 10. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's a good movie and you should watch it because, you know, it's just it's just a nice, wholesome little movie. Uh, and I think there's a lot to get out of it uh, for everyone. I don't care much about watching it again. But that's it. I think it went very fast. You know, yeah. it's only like an yeah. hour and a half. It's very easy to digest. But I think I've got everything I need to get out of it now. Um, <laughs> and because it's so hard to access, you probably won't be able to watch it again. <laughs> I'll give it six immortal chickens out of ten. Nice. Um, yeah, I really like this film. It just felt um, getting me kind of <coughs> just dying vibes. It kind of gave me that like about time kind of vibes where it was like a hug and a punch and another hug and another punch. Um, I'm not going to waffle on because I'm literally dying. Um, I'm going to give it eight immortal chickens out of ten. Lovely, lovely, lovely. <laughs> That's that. Two thousands. We've done it. Next week, we've got some movies to watch, but what are they? Chris is going to find out on the wheel of... Fortune. Be excited. Be, be excited. There's nothing fortunate about this wheel, I'm afraid. Oh dear. This wheel is usually so, just full of shit. I hope it doesn't. Uh, yeah. Well, 
we'll just spin it. We'll see what happens. Um, this is not actually a trilogy. It's a two two movies. Cool. Um, two thousand one, a space odyssey, and two thousand ten, whatever the year we made contact, whatever that one was called. I don't understand Fucking why. Hell. Why is there two films? I don't understand this. Because they decided to make a sequel like forty years later. But there's only two films. Yeah. So I thought this was a trilogy. That I'm so confused. Doesn't have to be. Oh, I thought this was a trilogy based podcast. There we go. I think from Max's groans, he doesn't want to do this. I want to do this. <laughs> I mean, I'm more than uh, skip it. I'm more than happy not to do it. But no, I don't want to do it. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh no. I've seen that movie twice. The 2001. It, it's fine. <laughs> it's just fucking long and boring. <laughs> Even though it's great. Okay. I don't like the way Chris Chris's eyes just went. Well, mm, okay. That, you know, people are like, "Oh, that's the greatest movie ever made." I just think it's fucking boring. <laughs> Oh God. Um, biopics? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I was gonna I was gonna pick Rocket Man. <laughs> Say no to everything. <laughs> I don't know what I'm in the mood Max, for. Max, how many Beatles are you allowed? I'm 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 done. I'm done. <laughs> now we got a franchise that I haven't seen any of it, so cool. It's called Pusher. What the fuck is that? It's, um I think it's directed by Nicholas Winding Refn. <laughs> okay. I don't even know where it's available because it was on Prime when I put it on the list. Okay. Well, well, one, both of you have Pro Letterbox. Go find out. I'm Darcy. Shut up right now. Okay? Thank you. I've never even heard of these films. Are they they sound like those junky films, like Crank or something. Yeah, they yeah. are. Okay, we got junky did, did movies. Did Connor put these on the list? They're no, not I didn't. anywhere that we can access them. Then you better spin it again. That's it, that's there the last go. one we were able to do, so we've got to spin it one more time, and that's the... I'm, mm. s- I'm sorry, I'm sorry I'm doing this. I just didn't want to watch 2001. <laughs> this is what happens when you don't want to watch 2001. Yeah. Romance movies. Fine. A week yeah. too late, because they've done it on Valentine's Day. Yeah, whatever. Oh, well. Romance it is. Okay. We're going to get romantic in the next one. Yeah. We're going to pick three... Romance movies. Cool. That's that's that then. Thanks for listening. Sorry I'm being so fucking pedantic. Um We've got social media. You got YouTube, the Sunday Movie Marathon, Twitter at Sunday Movie Pod, Facebook at Sunday Movie Marathon and Letterboxd at Sunday MM Capital S Capital MM Sunday Movie Marathon Forever. Any last words, guys? No. Great. Thanks. <laughs> See you later. Poop. Poop. Scoop dee dee. Whoop. Whoop dee dee. Scoop. <laughs>